Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. People may not always see eye to eye with him, but they will always listen to his opinion. This is The Roy Green Show. Tomorrow, the Prime Minister will fly back from Peru, and he's going to be having a meeting with the Premiers of British Columbia and Alberta on the issue of pipelines. It seems to me that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau should probably also have invited the Premier of Saskatchewan, Scott Moe, to these discussions, because Premier Moe has made it very clear to British Columbia that Saskatchewan also has an interest in this particular situation, and not to expect Saskatchewan to simply sit on the sidelines. Prime Minister has an opportunity, a responsibility, and I really believe Saskatchewan needs to be included in this discussion. We'll talk a lot about tomorrow, and uh, we'll take lots of phone calls, actually tomorrow, on this issue. Joining me on the program is the Premier of Saskatchewan, Premier Scott Moe. Premier, thank you for the time. Congratulations on, uh, on your new responsibilities, and we always enjoyed speaking with your predecessor, Mr. Wall. I'm looking forward to conversations with you. I am as well, Roy, and thank you for having us here today. Everyone in this country is still reeling over the terrible bus truck accident that resulted in so much death and injury within the ranks of the Humboldt Broncos. What uh, what can you share with us, Premier, about uh, the developments now? And Somebody asked me a question. I've actually seen it several times. Is Saskatchewan, uh, does Saskatchewan Healthcare take care of the, the needs of, of those who were injured, even if they're not uh, residents of Saskatchewan? I would have to check on on individuals that are living outside of the provinces. We have, uh, you know, healthcare across the nation that is very, very similar in many, in many ways. And I, I would have to check on exactly um, how, how that works with individuals that are from other areas of Canada and then um, ultimately move back uh, to those areas. But uh, you know, I, I think uh, more specific to what we've experienced in this in this province and and. And I think it's fair to say in this nation uh, over this past week and a day now, or a week and a day ago, has uh, just been something that has been unforeseen and unimagin- unimaginable uh, in the scope and, and, the, uh, and the severity of, of what we've seen. We've seen, you know, 16 young leaders mm-hmm. uh, pass away in Western Canada here. And, and uh, now we see a community and a league uh, picking up uh, the pieces and, and going back to work this evening. I think they're, they're starting with the, the, the uh, finals for the Canalto Cup this evening in Nippon. You know, for, uh, for th- there's really nothing other than that, I think, for them to do. They have to pick up the pieces. They have to once again get back to living. We all are living with heartbreak over the loss, but there's, there's still living to be done. And I'm sure that the families and, uh, and those who were uh, on that bus would, would agree with that. Yeah, and I would, I would as well. It, it's as tough as it is, um, and these aren't things that you get over. These aren't things no. that, that go away. But uh, you, you don't. Get, I, I think someone had mentioned uh, at the vigil the other night, uh, last Sunday evening in Humboldt, that you don't get over this, um, but you need, you do need to get through it. Yes. And uh, so we're going to have a, a number of boys, uh, young men, lacing up their skates here this evening, and I'm going over to Nippon to watch the game. And uh, you know, I, I, I hope that that my presence and everyone else's presence uh, just indicates to those boys that. When they're lacing up their skates and putting on their equipment here this evening, they're not in that dressing room alone. The, nope. the well, whole province is with them. And the whole country will be there in spirit. 
I'm sure, uh, for sure. Premier, uh, would you speak please to the Trans Mountain Pipeline extension battle? Now, it's between British Columbia and Alberta initially, but laterally also has included Saskatchewan, because you've, uh, you, your government's made it very clear to Premier Horgan that British Columbia may face action from Saskatchewan if he is not interested in going beyond what the Premier has laid down as his particular uh, rules and laws as far as this is concerned. Would you uh, share with, uh, with us your thinking on that? And, uh, Premier, why does this pipeline extension have to be completed? Uh, that's well, just did, a, Yeah, to, sorry, Ray. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's a fundamental question that has to be revisited occasionally. Why do we need it? Well, in Saskatchewan, why we need it is our, our direct impact to our economy uh, through the oil differential. Although we don't have a lot of product in that specific pipeline, by not having uh, this access to to the ports and to other markets for this product in Western Canada, in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and to Manitoba to a lesser degree, um, we're facing an oil differential where we sell our product to the United States at about a $20 discount, I think, last I checked, costing our provincial government uh, through royalties in this province over a hundred million dollars each and every year costing the economy in the province of Saskatchewan about 1.8 billion each and every year just to that differential so we need this access uh, to these to these ports through this pipeline and others so that we can lower that differential and, and get the maximum value for the product that we're exporting which is our focus uh, as a government of Saskatchewan and is to constantly uh, increase that that economic value that we have here so that's our interest in this pipeline and uh, and it, it's a bit I would say this isn't a discussion actually between Alberta and British Columbia or Saskatchewan or anything of that nature. Pipelines have always been under their federal jurisdiction. They were enshrined in the Constitution, pipelines, rail lines, ports in 1867. This is a federal government that has approved this pipeline and it should be built and it should move ahead immediately. So no reason to have this discussion. The Prime Minister has the right to make the decision. He's apparently made the decision, so get on with it. Absolutely. Um, um, the, the Premier of British Columbia has, has no grounds to be making comments uh, on, this, on, the, on, this, uh, on the approval of this project. It's been approved and, they, and it should be built. If the situation continues as is, would you consider actually turning off the spigot for oil from Saskatchewan making its way to British Columbia? Well, Saskatchewan does send some energy products uh, that are utilized in British Columbia, um, and uh, Alberta would, would send a fair amount more. And I would say this, if, if Alberta is going to pass their legislation to turn the taps off, if you will, to British Columbia, um, the next logical place for British Columbia to come for that product is Saskatchewan, and, and we would pass legislation so that it wouldn't be accessible. Uh, this, this pipeline uh, should be built. It's unfortunate that it comes to a conversation such as this. Um, but, you know, at the crux of the matter is this is a national, this is a federal government decision and and they should they should move on this pipeline with whatever tools they have and I you know we'll talk about some of the tools that they're using in other areas where they actually don't have jurisdiction like such as carbon tax mm -hmm. but he, but here this begs the question our ports our rail lines our pipelines are, are under the national purview for a reason our nation was built on the construction of some of these projects and they've been very unifying projects for the nation of Canada if a province such as British Columbia is able to stop one of these projects it begs the question is, do we, do we still have a nation? You know, that question's been asked a number of times. It's a legitimate question to ask. It was asked when Quebec was edging and pushing for separation. It was uh, a legi legitimate question then. It's a legitimate question now. Premier Mo, what's, what's, your, what's your view of Kinder Morgan's 
commitment of this pipeline now. They said May 31st, they have to be assured the British Columbia will not lay any opposition to the pipeline being built. Do you think, do you have some sense that they've emotionally checked out? Well, it's concerning, and it, and it, it points to a, a growing trend of, of tens of billions of dollars of investment in our energy sector, um, which is one of the cleanest in the world, and we must always remember that. Being moved, uh, being moved from Canada to in many cases, uh, into the United States or other areas of the world. And it's a very concerning trend with some of the policy decisions that we, that we have made, such as the approval of Kinder Morgan, but our, but our federal government isn't standing behind. And then there's other policy decisions as well, you know, things in the, in, in the way of carbon taxation and some of the environmental uh, regulatory changes that are coming that are causing tens of billions of dollars to move uh, south of the border. And Kinder Morgan is just seems to be another another casualty of some of these decisions that have been made. Premier, please hold on. I want to ask you about the uh, carbon tax issue and where that fits into the equation for Saskatchewan. Uh, Premier Mo had a conversation, a sit-down conversation, meeting with Prime Minister Trudeau just a few weeks ago, and we, of course, spoke with Premier Wall on a number of occasions about the carbon tax. And he told us at the time he was Premier, he was quite prepared, and the federal government ready be ready for this, Uh, There was going to be uh, legal action by the province challenging the federal government on its decision to move forward with a unilateral carbon tax. We'll come back with the Premier of Saskatchewan, Scott Moe, right after this. He may be opinionated, but he never jumps to conclusions. This is The Roy Green Show. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. I'm on Twitter at the Roy Green Show and listen back to anything that we air or download it, including this interview with the Premier of Saskatchewan, Scott Moe, at RoyGreenShow.com in the podcasts. Premier, on the issue of the carbon tax, which Mr. Trudeau insists the entire country is going to adopt or he'll adopt it for them, um, I'd like your thoughts on that. And I remember speaking again with your predecessor, Mr. Wall, about that. And he said at the time he'd had a conversation with Mr. Trudeau the day after he made this pronouncement and asked, has there been any economic impact study of the effects nationally of such a carbon tax? And the answer was no. And yet, I guess, maybe it was a roll of the dice. Maybe Mr. Trudeau stuck his finger in the air. I don't know. But he's decided we all need it. What is Saskatchewan going to do, and what what was that conversation like that you had with them a few weeks ago? <laughs> well, what the, the conversation was was uh, you know a reasonable conversation uh, where we both uh, I, I guess in in many ways agreed that it wouldn't be him and it wouldn't be myself that dis- made the decision on whether a carbon tax was going to be uh, charged on Saskatchewan industries, jobs, and families. It's going to be a judge uh, in in light of of uh, the federal government introducing their carbon backstop in an omnibus 550-page budget bill of which they said they would get rid of, and uh, they wouldn't let that that legislation stand on its own they included it with their entire uh, budget bill but and and so we will be launching our uh, our reference case to the Saskatchewan Court of Appeal in the next number of weeks here I, the Saskatchewan people will see that uh, coming uh, in the very near future so we are 
uh, much closer to actually um, taking this to court and taking our federal government to court for this, what is a failed policy. Uh, there's nowhere in the world where carbon tax has achieved what it's set out to do in reducing emissions. Um, what it does do is it moves jobs to other areas of the world that don't have a carbon tax. It reduces our competitiveness in our, our industries like agriculture, energy, mining, uh, which are our staple industries here in the province. Uh, it's not effective. It's not proving to be revenue neutral in, in provinces where it has been introduced. It's proving to be uh, a, a tax grab. And there, there is some hypocrisy in the federal government's uh, handling of Kinder Morgan, where they do have jurisdiction, versus how they are handling and, and attempting to force a carbon tax on provinces, which in the same 1867 const- constitution was, uh, was an area of responsibility that was ceded to the provinces at, at the same time as our rails, ports, and, uh, and pipelines were, were taking uh, as federal responsibility. doesn't seem to matter the Constitution when it comes to carbon tax. Uh, it just seems to me that there is a, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a better word than being fans of, but there's a buy-in that can be hugely emotional, I find, and really lacking any kind of um, deductive reasoning going on. When, when you think of, of what the carbon tax hasn't done, for example, in Australia in 2014, they decided to do away with a national carbon tax they'd had for a couple of years because they found it hurt families, it hurt business, it hurt the national economy. There was no reason to keep it, and it was gone. And it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't lower, it didn't lower emissions. So, so it, it, it's, it's all bad on the economic side, and it's all bad on the environmental side, which equals to me a, a failed policy and one that we should discontinue uh, looking at here, and, and, we, and we won't have uh, here in the province of Saskatchewan. So, um, you know, we look forward to, to the conversation that ultimately is going to be uh, in court on this, but it is a, uh, it's a failed policy, and I don't know why we would think it would work any better here in Canada. Premier, is there a sense, is there a feeling that Western Canada doesn't receive the respect, the due, the consideration that it really must have? Is there a sense that in the federal government does not have a, a true sense of what Saskatchewan and Western Canada really are most interested in and most in need of? I think there's a lack of respect at times for some of the industries that drive our Western Canadian economy and, in essence, uh, essentially drive our, our Canadian economy. And th- those industries are export-based industries, um, agriculture being one of them, but energy also being one of them. And we need to continue to recognize um, that we always need to do better. We're doing that in Saskatchewan. We've, we've, we've launched our, our climate change plan, a, a plan of prairie resilience, which is endorsed by by industries and corporations uh, in the mining sector, in the energy sector, and in the agriculture sector here in, pro- in the province. We're working with, with our industries to, to do better, to reduce actual emissions. We're not working with them to see how much we can actually tax them and how much they can bear um, through a policy that, e- that essentially you know, just simply doesn't work. So I, I worry about the respect in, in, in the lack of uh, effort being uh, provided by our federal government to ensure that we can get these, these products to market, such as in the case of Kinder Morgan, where they have the jurisdiction, versus um, the, the lack of respect that they're, they're proving to these same industries um, on, on the taxation side, trying to enforce this carbon backstop on, on uh, well, in this case, our province, but I, I think you'll see other provinces coming on board as we, uh, as we launch our reference case, as this isn't just about 
a carbon a carbon imposing a carbon tax on Saskatchewan. This is about a federal government that's imposing their will in an area where they explicitly do not have the jurisdiction or the right to do so. And who's to say that in uh, in a number of years they don't use uh, the same techniques um, that they're using here, like withholding infrastructure funding when it comes to the low carbon economy fund, which they are threatening to do in Saskatchewan's case, but will not do in the case of British Columbia and approving Kinder Morgan. They've introduced in their budget bill $109 million carbon cops, $109 million in funding for carbon cops to come out and ensure people are are uh, adhering to their backstop. This this is, uh, you know, a, a definite lack of respect for, I would say, not just Western Canada, but for industries that drive the economy in Western Canada and our nation as a whole. We have natural resources in this country, which are significant to our financial well-being. And if we look at the uh, if we look at the uh, the oil sands, if we look at the need for pipelines, if we look at the international markets that are available to us for Canadian oil, Canadian oil products, I've heard the number, and uh, you, you probably are better at this than me, have better information than I do. But I've heard numbers as high as fifty, sixty, seventy million dollars a day being lost if we do not export our oil to markets that want it other than the United States, which may be artificially keeping their prices low by influencing various groups in Western Canada to fight the pipelines? Just just in the energy sector alone, uh, just by the oil differential that we have, by not being able to access markets out, aside from the United States, $1.8 billion a year just from that sector on current production in the province of Saskatchewan is being lost to our economy. Um, that is why we need to continually advocate for safe methods to get this product to port, which is pipelines such as the Trans Mountain Pipeline. We'd like to see the Energy East Pipeline as well so that we can replace some of the oil that's coming in from 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 areas of the world like Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, that is produced at a much, much less ethical um, in a much less ethical way, but also a much less sustainable way. We should never forget in this conversation around I- environmental sustainability what we have already done in our industries. Uh, in, I, I'll speak to Western Canada and Saskatchewan, but across our nation in agriculture, in mining, and in, in our energy production we, and forestry as well. We, we, are some of the most, we produce some of the most sustainable products on earth, and we should, we should never forget to tell people that. Premier, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for the time today. I hope you won't mind coming back. I will be back at your request. Thank you, sir. All the best. Take care, Brian. Scott Moe is the Premier of Saskatchewan, making his case very clear, very clear, that it is the federal government's responsibility, it is the federal government's job, it is the federal government's right to decide on that pipeline, the Trans Mountain Pipeline. It's not Mr. Horgan's responsibility. It's not Ms. Notley's responsibility. It's not Mr. Moe's responsibility. It's Justin Trudeau's responsibility, and it is his right constitutionally. So don't run around having meetings when you're the man who can make the decision. And if Kinder Morgan checks out emotionally, and if they frighten their investors sufficiently, they may not find the way back to put money huge money back into the pipeline. They need strong assurance by the 31st of May, otherwise they won't participate. And can we really afford to lose this kind of economic clout just internally in Canada? Ask yourself that. We'll have a lot of a lot to say on this tomorrow with many of your calls. And when we come back, we'll talk to the former executive officer, to General David Petraeus, about the missile strike on Syria last night. Don't go away.